Hi, team. Hello, Mike. I'm getting really into that music. Did you cut the music short this week? Yeah, I've tweaked the intro a little bit because, yeah, the sound quality wasn't great on the last one. So, oh, it caught me off guard. A little tidy up there. A little surprise oh, yeah. for you both. Bring <laughs> it. Uh, so, show three. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, as you can see, we're all full festive. Um, thanks, Tess, for the reminder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't need, didn't need reminding. I came on full blown, full blown Christmas, Christmas hat, and everything. Yeah, <laughs> it is a definite good look. <laughs> um, so, this week's show, we are looking forward to 2021. So, bring on 2021. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, our hockey highlight of the week. Um, we're going to be talking about Division One North and South in the men's and women's division, uh, seeing who we think uh, is going to be going up and down there. Uh, some people to look out for and teams to look out for in 2021 uh, and the all-important Olympic Games and European Championships. So that's today's show. Loads going on. Um, last show before Christmas. Um, yeah, so excited to get going. So. Tess, what is your hockey highlight of the week? My hockey highlight. So the purpose of this hockey highlight thing can be anything. It's like just hockey related. So um, this week I did my first ever free solo workshop, um, which was really cool uh, with RJ Hockey, which is a hockey sort of academy in uh, in Bristol. So it was a couple of hours. Um, we did some, the, the theme was trouble. So it was like getting out of trouble using those skills. Um, cause I find myself in trouble a lot. Um, and, uh, getting defenders into trouble. So that was really cool. So that's my hockey highlight. Nice. Gibbo? Hockey highlight. Hard to pick cause there's probably two that are put on a par, but the one that was a bit different was I went back to coach, um, my home club. So I coached Doncaster men's last night. My brother's head coach there as a player coach. And he said, do you want to come down? I was like, absolutely. He's the only coach on a pitch I've got to do this week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, so far this week. But, yeah, that was good. And it's refreshing to see the people that you, the, that you know from years and years ago haven't changed a lot and they're still about the same things and good people. And actually what was really cool was last time I was sort of involved at the club, there's a group of lads that would be, there would have been 12, 13, 14, but they're up in the first team group training now as 17-year-olds, which is great to see, 16, 17-year-olds. And that's like, I didn't recognise them. I came back, I was like, is that him? And he's like, oh yeah, that's him, he's a man now. And they, yeah, they were doing really well in that environment. So yeah, they're all playing the twos, training the ones, and it's just really nice to see. Some of them went to England trials in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd not seen them in a long time, so I just had a chat to them about that and how they got on and enjoy the experience and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And then some small group coaching, one the ones on. I'll be doing that on Sundays. So one last Sunday, one this Sunday. That's They're always a highlight, but yeah. All down at Donny, actually, my highlights, because I do it on their pitch as well. Is that what the locals call it, Donny? Donny yeah, yeah, like, I think, yeah. You're, you're allowed to call it that as well, Tess. Because the only, yeah, the only time I know Doncaster is when I'm going up to Durham, so I, like, pass Doncaster. So all I can yeah, hear yeah. is, like, the train voice. Welcome to Doncaster, and then like, and it? nobody gets off. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's a place you go through to get where you are going. I'm like hoping the person sitting next to me is going. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I love Donny. It's got character. 
Um, How about you, Mike? Uh, my hockey highlight. Uh, delivered an FIH uh, course again this week. Haven't delivered one in a little while, so it was really nice to do that. Um, delivered with uh, Darren Cheeseman. Uh, so it was really good fun on session design. Uh, we had a few people on the course, and they were all from – every single one was from a different nation, um, which is so cool. So we had wow. Barbados, Peru, Malaysia, Holland – uh ireland and the uk uh so yeah really really eclectic mix um and it was a lot of fun and it's not even like those guys were from those nations yeah so, uh one of the guys who was uh we had two uh oh no and belgium uh and the guy that was in belgium was actually portuguese as well so there was a bit of everything going on so it was a, a really decent mix um yeah, I love the FIH courses just because you get to meet so many cool people from around the world. And like I say, the some of them, it was like three, four o'clock in the morning and they were committed to get on and listen to me and Cheese for three hours talking about session design. So, three hours? Yeah, and we overran. because we session design? <laughs> wow. Got to like three and a half hours. It's quality. <laughs> Proper nerding out. Um, yeah, it was good fun. So that was my hockey highlight um and cannot wait for the next one got another one uh we've got another one which we're delivering beginning of january um so yeah and more information on the fih website little good person to deliver with as well isn't it darren mm. just a good yeah. egg good person to have right be around mm. yeah well what did you call it what did you say what was your northern phrase for him he's got a nice way about him when he does <laughs> these sort of things yeah that's just the, he delivered of course i was on this summer just got a nice manner Seems to everyone's like scrabbling around to figure out how to do online learning. And he'd figured out his way pretty early on. It seemed this was in May, so he kind of knew what he was doing. And because online learning is tough, it's different to delivering, as you'll know, Mike, different to delivering uh, physically. But yeah, he just had a nice manner. And I've always, like, a, I've known him a few years now, but he's always had a just brightens up a room, doesn't he? He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a good bloke. He is a good bloke. And it's been, it's been cool developing the FH stuff with him as well. So me and yeah, Darren and I have probably delivered most of what's been going on in the FIH stuff this summer. Um, so it's been cool to, like, yeah, bounce ideas and stuff. And he, he is, like, way ahead of the curve. Like, he's really on it. So, yeah, it's good fun. Good fun. Um, right then, Gibbo, over to you. You're going to start the show. What are you talking about this week? What am I talking about this week? You caught me off guard, Mike. You're like, <laughs> topics. So... Uh, I think I need a 101 mug. So I'm, yeah, I do I'm, need a 101 mug. So I, sorted. I said I would talk about this. This is why the only time I wasn't prepared, it meant I'm not doing any show notes. I haven't this week. So this is me filling, scrolling through a WhatsApp chat to tell you what I was going to talk about. What was I going to talk about, Mike? What was players. The players to watch out for. Oh, right. Players to look out for. <laughs> as we get things to look forward to in 2021. This is my idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things to look forward to in 2021. Players to look out for. Oof. Uh, so yours is valid from t- last week, Tess, and uh, will echo. Like, Freya's doing well in the EDP. Uh, another player who I know really well, I think is going really well in the EDP and has had a pretty much, like, Faultless is an extreme word, but it, like blemish for a year, just a great year of development is Iona Campbell. She's going really well in the EDP. She's um, from 
Scotland, grew up in Holland, now plays at Loughborough. And she seems to be going really well, hearing great things about the EDP. And she's, she's doing great things in the Loughborough. She plays at the back, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's the very yeah. tall girl with a Dieter stick that plays at the back. Uh, yeah, she's... That's actually more great. commonly known. <laughs> tall girl at the back. Tall girl at the back, and she's more commonly known by opposition scout, I'm sure. They don't use the name. Tall girl at the back. Um, so, yeah, she's going really well. Definitely one to look out for. Uh, she actually played really well about a year and a half ago, Tess. She played you for the EDP against the seniors at Reading. And I went to watch that. She did really well in that game, which is quite an eye-opening thing because that was the end of her first year at Loughborough. And it was like she was hanging in there with... She had to like pick up Lily a lot. And I was like, she was hanging in there with one of the world's best players. Like, this has been... You're doing really well here. Like, the level yeah. she got to very quickly. I noticed just... Or, like, most of the EDP, but especially Iona, like, become really physical in their marking which has made such a difference I got playing um playing against them you really have to like try do little fates to get get away from them in the d um I really yeah noticed that yes yeah, and a great distribution at the back as well mm. yeah she's really. it around she's putting yards on her aerial all the time yeah she's just had a really good her entire time Loughborough's like been an upward curve but this year these last 12 months have been amazing um and one to watch out for actually I give this a little thought but uh, there's a lad from Doncaster who is in the NAG 16s. Well, that was in the NAG 16 last year. He's trying as a 17 at the moment and really talented, really fast, called James Burley. And he last night I had a chat with him and it's the most sort of reflective, open, self-driven I've seen him. Like he's saying, what do you think I should be doing? He was like asking lots and lots of questions. Like, oh, you never used to do this when, he was, when I coached when I was younger. And it's just sort of a new thing for him to be he was really asking the right questions. So I think he's got a good school environment at Hill House, by all accounts. Like, I know a little bit about that programme. My brother's girlfriend works there. So they, they look after the players quite well, I think. So, and he's at a good club. Um, but yeah, I just noticed a little change in him. Like, his intensity in training was very high last night, works incredibly hard, and he's asking lots and lots, of, lots more questions now. And he's getting more feedback. So he's definitely one to watch out for if he keeps up that because he's, he's got all the tools. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's what it's like as a junior when you take the the switch. Like I remember going from 16s to 18s, my like, I felt like diligence towards training just changed, mm. sort of like realised that it's something you want to take more seriously. And then you kind of can kick on pretty quickly if you ask all those questions like you're saying. It's something that will have happened for everyone in your environment, Tess, at some point in their sort of training life, they'll have thought, I need to get the most out of this opportunity now. And not just turn up and leave and do do the bit in the middle and leave. It's how do I get the most out of this opportunity? How do I uh, get as much quality information as possible and use it? And he's just, it looks like he's taken a bit of a step forward on that front. So I don't like the word coachable because it's infers it's about the coach, I guess. But he was definitely those mm. behaviours you look for, like he's interested in his own development. You can really see it now, which is cool. Yeah, I think that's one thing which I struggled with when I was a youth. I just never had the. I missed the moment when I was playing. Um, I feel like I got caught up in the it being a trial rather yeah. than experience to learn from. And I think that's one thing which I really try and pass on to anybody that's involved in tryouts and stuff. Like you've just got to enjoy the moment and take it as an experience, not as in it's the be all and end all. And I think that's something which looking back, I wish I'd actually enjoyed playing a bit more, um, particularly in those um, environments. Cause actually it's a, privilege to turn up those tri- to tri- those trials you know yeah. one of the best in the country you're turning up 
it's a privilege like enjoy it like you're not everybody's going to get that and i wish that i had done so to hear that that he's actually really engaging in the process that's quality that's so good to hear because i think every young person should really just enjoy whatever they're doing like because you get one crack well i say you get one crack at it you may only get one shot but also you only you're only young once (laughs) actually enjoy it because it it goes fast (laughs) so we're a bit older mike did you feel like you could when you were at training did like did that's a genuine question like go to a coach and not that i'm saying any of the coaches my generation were bad because they were very good and obviously very grateful but i just think that's a changing coach and like that approachability now where it's just a two-way street because i i don't know i probably would have been able to but i never felt like i could if that makes sense yeah looking back and i was like turn up do what you're told and go and i was a little i never grasped that on myself as a player as a kid i'd just i'd figure it all out in my own head and wouldn't really go and ask for lots of feedback or engage in that two-way conversation which I think happens more now and he's good, we know he's good coaching, but I never did it either. So. Yeah. I had a really good club coach, but then everything else was, yeah, I just didn't feel like I had the confidence to go and like engage. And now I just talk to anyone. So yeah, <laughs> funny how it turns out. Um, any other people to look out for in 2021? Uh, people to look out for in 2021. I had a coach wrote down. Uh, yeah, I did. I don't know if this is if he could people could already know who he is, but and I he probably won't know I'm going to say this, but there's a lad who was on who was on two. You know, everyone did like an, an army of CPD over the summer. Everyone was like a Zoom warrior, and you're on calls, hockey coaching, and it was just like a blur of how many things can I do, and like everyone did too much. But there's a lad called Lawrence Mead who was on like three or four hmm. calls. I was on. Just thought it was a really good. Yeah. I think he's young. He looked young, and he's you know your, your thumbnail pick. So he looked like a young coach, and he sounded young. And I never knew. I never heard of him until this period. But he just came out with some really good remarks. He seemed very well adjusted, well balanced, quite reflective. Had some good ideas, and I thought he'll be a name to look out for. So I sketched mm-hmm. that down. Cause I didn't want to just do players because we've got hockey coaches contribute a lot as well. Uh, and I don't know anything about him other than he's a face on Zoom calls. But he came out with some some really good stuff, and we we're in a, a discussion. I think it might have been Elliot and Will's things in the summer uh, and he was on one of those and I just thought yeah he came out with some really good stuff asked a lot of good questions and maybe a name to look out for yeah but I don't know anything about him so Mike if you know him shout out to him yeah he, yeah he did some of the FIH he did two or three FIH courses okay so I think he did his level one FIH online which I delivered and he did a couple of others as well good guy really good guy cares a lot about the detail enthusiastic listens really well yeah I like him He's good. Awesome. Really good. Well, tag him because I don't know him. The courses have a chat, but I thought it was really had a lot of good ideas when we engaged in the summer. But yeah, I thought it's like those thousands of people you meet in a little box over the summer, in a little <laughs> grid somewhere. He'll probably end up at Loughborough now, won't he? <laughs> I think this is what it is a recruitment vehicle for us. <laughs> yeah, EG, Durham, Loughborough. No, no, no. It's just Loughborough, clearly. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's welcome. That's what everyone's welcome. It's an open door, <laughs> as you well know. <laughs> uh, we've got a, a nice little shower just to start the day um, before we move on. Uh, in listening pitch side at Marla Hockey Club right now, waiting for the under 10s to arrive in their 
uh, in their Christmas jumpers and hats. And he's also given us a thumbs up as well. So. Christmas hats, exactly. Top man, Ian. Ian's sort of the super fan. He's like fan number one. <laughs> yeah, he's very often at the side of a hockey pitch and has taken a lot of the 101 pictures were actually taken by Ian. So big shout out to the fantastic photographer uh, and definite hockey dad legend on the side of the pitch. So, yeah, thank you for listening, Ian. Um, right, moving on. I'm going to talk very quickly about Division One. Um, so last week we spoke a, a little bit, well, week one, actually, we spoke a little bit about the Premier League uh, and who we thought was going to do well and who we thought was in a bit of trouble. This week I want to talk a little bit around... Um, Division One North and South in the men's and women's leagues. Um, I'm going to start off with women's Division One North. Um, the mighty Loughborough sitting at the top of the league there. Um, and obviously without... Is this, men? Is this men's? That's men, that. Oh, that's men, sorry. My bad. Yeah, yeah that's, that's oh. the mighty, you, can, you can have the mighty men if you want. Here we go. We'll go start with women. So Starport, uh, Leicester and Bowden looking pretty tight at the top of the table there. Um, that's going to be a really that's funny. Yeah, I wasn't I, when I when I was in the North League with Durham. I, we I didn't really come across Starport because they so, moved across from the West. Tess, yeah. um, we got promoted. They were the West Conference champions. So there's been a bit of a reshuffle with West and Com- North. Uh, yeah, yeah, well. So that was the old conference structure, sorry. So now you've gone into the north. The the teams in the north of the west have gone into the north. Mm-hmm. So Starport would still be more northern. But yeah, they were one of the they could be one of those teams in the old conference structure that that depends how things fell, that could go either way, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And they were also uh so I think they won Division One West three or four years running, but Correct. never got out of the division into the premiership. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they're, they're going to be tough but also you've got so much experience in Leicester and Bowden like there's some yeah. quality players in there so that's uh, an interesting Bowden haven't played either Leicester or Stalport oh, really? um, so they've got them to play uh, and Stalport uh, ooh, I need to get this right Leicester and Stalport have played each other um, and I think I think Stalport won that um, I will need to double check. Uh, if anybody's got that on hand, <laughs> help me out here because I'm drowning, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, it's interesting that Bowden aren't topping it then. Um, well, I guess they've had the game in hand. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. And I think this is the really interesting thing when I was going through all the league tables, like the fact that you're like, oh, well, they're really at the top or really at the bottom. People have got all sorts of games, like University of Nottingham, zero points, but they've only played three games. Mm. They win those. They had a very Mike. They had a very bad time with COVID. Mm. So okay. early in the season, I know that they played a game with a significant number of unavailabilities mm. right at the start of the year. I don't know the exact numbers involved. I just know that they had a hard time with with that. Um, yeah. I think it might have been the Leicester game they played first week. Uh, carried a, the, the squad will obviously be on the online system, but I think they went with less than sixteen and a right. lot of unavailability. There is a side with a 100% record in the league that you get to mention. I'm not biased, though. <laughs> we'll come on to that later. <laughs> um, so then if we look at the South League, uh, I think Reading are obviously in a pretty commanding position at the moment. Um, you know, ha- and they've played and beaten Seven Oaks. 
Um, so I oh. think they're, they're in a pretty... I've also played in this league, yeah. So um, tough. Very tough really The interesting one for me in this, though, um, is Iska. Now, Iska, you'd think, okay, we're at the <laughs> They've only played three games. So, you know, and actually having – that's not an easy away trip going all the way down there. Um, so I think actually come the end of the year, I think it's actually probably looking at that Surbiton – this is Surbiton 2s, by the way. Um, I think they could be actually the ones in a bit of trouble here. Halston um, um, was always a horrible place to go. I mean, it was like a tough, tough crowd, um, tough place to go. I remember as Cambridge City just sort of like dreading going there. Um, but good that Canterbury are sort of like in the mix. That's good to see. A definitely. Of- yeah, really good. Um, but yeah, I think you'd have to, if you're being a, you know, if you're a better man, you'd expect Reading to be the ones to to go back up in, or at least you know go into yeah. that position to to get into the promotion with the playoff, the new playoff structure. Um, and for those that don't know the playoff structure, the winner of North and South play against each other. Uh, the winner of that then goes into the Premiership, uh, and then the loser of that gets a second chance because they will play the playoff um, from the Premier the the yeah. relegation playoff place um, in the Premiership for that. So sport. that is traditionally how it. Well, this how is it was it was going to work. Mm-hmm. There are some. I've just been on a call and I, nothing's been sent out from EH. So I'm not. But that there are various iterations that could work. Okay. Better from a how much of the season you play from a COVID perspective. So that's the intention and that's the model that was passed to work for this year. But yeah, just keep your eye on the league updates and stuff because Mm -hmm. there's going to be a solution that works for the the most of the teams that comes out. It may or may not look like that, but yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and I think, yeah, there's definitely so much going on in that. Um, And then, I mean, if we're looking at this at the moment from the women's prem, Again, we're looking at Beeston, potentially Holcomb, Clifton, one of those three potentially. Um, but yeah, anything could anything could happen, which is the very exciting bit from my point of view. Yeah. Uh, and then on to the men's side, we've got men's division one north. Yes, Loughborough have got the full complement of points, fifteen points. Play five. Do with me. That's all the hard work of Jerome Gowdy and Alex Bailey. Yeah. Oh, Bailey, what a legend! He's yeah. a- the players, of course, but there's <laughs> a few players to watch in that group as well, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think the interesting bit for me is Alton down, like any of those could get relegated. Um, so I think the, the fight to stay off the bottom, I think, is going to be a really tough one. Um, um, yeah, so I think that, that for me is definitely going to be something that's um, going to be really interesting moving forwards. Like, any slip up in there and you're in a bit of trouble. Um, Div 1 South for the men. Um, again, really tight. Uh, so you're looking at almost Canterbury up, I guess. Obviously, I think that's a f- the only league with a full complement of games played. Oh, well, wow. With a, u- yeah. a uniform number of games played. Yeah. Uh, they're all, they'd all be on obviously more than six if normally, but yeah, I think yeah. it's the division I've seen looking at that with a uniform number of games played. Yeah. So I think this is the most, the truest um, example, but also at the same time, it's so, such a tight league. You know, mm. you look at Haven, 
they've scored 13 goals. You know, Teddington have only scored 15. So actually that, that shows this is going to be a really tight league all the way to the end. I'd even, you'd even argue like, yes, Hawks are sat there with nine points. They could be in trouble um, as well. A couple of rogue results. You know, I think it's, that's going to be a really fascinating league to watch. Um, I didn't realise Southgate were... Oh, I didn't know they were in that league because that's a Div 1, isn't it? Not a conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Interesting because so, yeah. Sevenoaks and Reading are, like, really strong indoor-wise. So, mm-hmm. like, the men's... But yeah, the men's Sevenoaks team, did they always did get, get to the copper box. So, they yeah. don't have that this year, which is a shame. Yeah, that is a shame because actually, yeah, like you say, those guys are really solid. And actually, looking at Seven Oaks and Reading, they've they've got two really like pretty good goalkeepers in there as well. Um, guys with a lot of Premier League experience. Um, so yeah, they they're definitely going to be you know, difficult to play against. Um, and then from the men's prem, again, you probably be looking at. Brooklands, um, Oxted as the two going into that spot at the moment. Um, but again, Brooklands always have this ability to get out of trouble. Um, so yeah, I think again, it's all tight going on there. Um, so yeah, really exciting. And I cannot wait for the leagues to get restarted so we can actually see some of these results coming through. Uh, I think that's, it's going to be a, a really exciting way to end the year. Yeah, a little recess, Mike. Is we can make it a little one-on-one challenge. Hopefully, we get to see a lot of it because teams are, like we said, episode one. Beast and bit the bullet pre-lockdown with BTV. OGs have got on board. We tried to do a broadcast which didn't work live. It just basically the our live broadcast is just Annabelle Denley commenting on a game on Huddle for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, but we didn't oh, know that work. But we are exploring. Danny is our uh, tech guide on most things at Loughborough. Yeah, we'd like to put games out live, and it'd be great to see some of it like live and then chucked onto YouTube after. So, mm-hmm. because we don't know if these games are going to happen with a crowd and stuff. So, yeah, it would, it would be nice to say we've got this time, but we're going to resume at some point. Could a few, maybe a few more teams come out with a, a filming solution? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? We're even. We're even potentially looking at it for Marlow in, in our lowly division, but we're, you know, I think it's more people that start doing it. Yeah. Like, it's actually not, it's not mega expensive to do. Yeah. It can be live streamed through something like we're doing right now, and mm-hmm. this is a really effective solution. So, yeah, I think it's definitely something which more clubs could look to do. Um, and I'd watch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that felt like a. Yeah. That that day there was the Beeston game, then the OGs game was like the first oh. ever hockey Super Sunday. Like you yeah. know when you get the games, it had it was for a hockey badger. It was right. Like you got the flick over onto the other stream because another game about to start. It was great. It was. Yeah, I didn't yeah, right. I it it for TV. Yeah. It was yeah, hockey's first ever Super Sunday. Sunday. Absolutely yeah. great. When EG streamed it as well, it was so good, so so good. Yeah, everyone like. Everyone, load of coaches texting each other saying, have you got the game on? Because it was a bit high. It was great. More of that, the better, I think. Um, right, Tess. Here we go, then. Your turn. What do you right. want to do first? Olympics or Euros? Oh, no, oh, no, I'll keep on the club, the club Euros to begin. Yeah. Just a quick shout-out to 
the rescheduled, although they've been cancelled this year, but they are going ahead next year in, um, I think the the women are in Belgium and the men are in Austria for the mm-hmm. championship and the trophy. And um, so Serbian women will be at the, at the championship. Um, and well, this is the, this is the, um, this is, that's the actual Euros, the nation's one. I'm just We're talking, talking the EHL. About the, yeah, the EHL. Um, so, yeah, and then EG women will be in the trophy for the men, it, their championships, um, Surbiton, and then there's uh, the EHL Cup, which I think is the below the trophy level, which is what Hampstead and Westminster are playing in for the men. So that's pretty cool. Good to have uh British uh presence, which is awesome. Um hoping to like get into the next stages. Um but yeah, on to the Euros, um the nation Euros. So for we'll start with the we'll start with the men. So um last year um the men didn't quite get into the semi-final stage, but the pools have been redrawn this year, so they won't have as many home nation games, which I think is going to be really key for them this year because the home nations is like a, it's a hard, um, hard, hard matches to play because it's like the derbies. Um, but yeah, you can see um, England have got Belgium, Spain, and Russia, and I think that's a really good pool. That's a really good pool. Um, like Belgium, obviously world champions at the moment olympic champions hope probably next year um if if gb don't win um uh but spain and russia great games for g for, for england so that means i think we've got a great chance to getting into the semi-final and then you're looking at a crossover game probably uh with germany or or the netherlands and we saw like early earlier this year it's very close games um mm-hmm. between them so I think if we had a crossover with the Netherlands and Belgium mm-hmm. played Germany, I think that we could even be in the final, um, very realistically. So that's exciting. Um, Wales there. Pardon? There's a 101 sponsored nation there, Mike, with Wales, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> to get a 101 badge flying at the Euros this summer. It was that last, it was at the last Euros in 2019. Little subtle that's number. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm biased. I think Wales will finish above France um, yeah. and therefore stay in pool, uh, stay in Div A um, for the following championships. So that's my bet. Because um, yeah. I think France... Those games are really fascinating though, doesn't it? Because you obviously look at Netherlands and Germany and think, well, they are very strong in that pool. And you would say on rankings, you'd say, well, they have the every right to say they should beat France and Wales, but... Actually, if Wales and France draw, those games against Germany and Netherlands become about what you do against them. And yeah. actually, it can make for a really exciting tournament with all the outcomes. The relegation promotion aspect of Euros means the pools are live right to the end most of the time, which mm-hmm. makes for really intriguing games. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of stories in that one, potentially. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, even in, the, in that Pool A... <laughs> Like, yes, you'd assume that Russia would finish at the bottom of that pool. Spain are tough, eh? Like, they are hard to play. They've got, uh, is it Lorenzo, who's the flicker? Who's phenomenal. Um, Still got Cortez, who's still, I I still think he's one of the best goalies in the world. He's phenomenal. Not getting any younger mind, but he is definitely phenomenal. Um, So, yeah, I think that's that's tough. I think that's, yeah, anything could happen there. and then the women's side? 
Yeah, the women. Uh, so pool's drawn slightly differently this year. Um, England don't normally run. So we've got Germany, which we had we had this year, and, and Belgium, um, and then Italy, which, um, yeah, is going to be a tough pool, I think. Uh, but given given the games we had earlier this year, I think it puts us in a really good place um, confidence-wise to go into that pool. Especially this, this, this is like a month, or so before the Olympics. So it's really key for those players um, who are selected um, to like get, get the feeling of international hockey again, because there won't be that many opportunities during the year. So I think that's probably what the year is going to be like. Um, great to see Scotland in the women's pool A. Um, so great. So great. They won the uh, their competition last year. So have got promoted, which is great. Um so we'll probably have some of the team for the Olympics playing in that Scottish um, team there. Um, Scotland, Ireland, that will be a great game. Um, as long as England and Scotland don't cross, then I think, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> uh, fans are allowed in for by, by the 4th, 13th of June. It'd be great to have uh, an Irish and a Scottish crowd in the stadium. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. And to be honest, I think um, Pool A will be the uh, second second and first place will be up for grabs because, I mean, Holland's finished second in the pool last year, which is which is why England, who finished top of their pool, had to cross over with Holland in the semi-final because mm-hmm. um, normally they were top of the pool, but they had two draws at the beginning of their tournament. So I think Ireland could push for second place, especially with their momentum getting, getting into the Olympics. Um, but yeah, onwards to the Olympics. Very good. Um, so Tokyo twenty twenty one, which it should say, uh, yeah, interesting uh, set sets of pools. So uh, we'll start with the men. Uh, pool A, I think it's all up for grabs. They got Australia and Argentina. So remember, you have you have the quarterfinals, um, uh, then semis. So you have like knockout rounds, which is different to the um, different to the Euros, which means there's a lot, lot more chance to get knocked out, um, but also more chance for, for for lower teams to to get through. So, I mean, you're probably looking at Australia and Argentina and India probably fighting in that pool A um, yeah. for those top three spots. I'd say Pool B, you, yeah, GB, Netherlands, Belgium, Germany. That's tough, tough four there. Um, but I mean, it's all all to play for, as we saw earlier. Yeah, GB can compete with anyone. Um, then in the women, yeah, again, everything's to play for. It's it's interesting that quite a lot of the the pools are quite similar actually for the the men and the women. Um, but yeah, GB's. First game will be uh, will be against India, I believe, um, uh, and then we play uh, Ireland last. So that is a uh, interesting pool. Again, it's three spots, so I mean, can see see what happens. Um, but is it is it four spots? So top yeah. four. I think the top four in each group play each other. You come out your group, top one to four. So four plays one, two plays three as a crossover oh, game. So that's funny. I should know that. <laughs> GB, like, for instance, GB men 
if you say it's the spot to avoid, could probably be fourth because you don't. Add, if you a betting man, you'd have to say Australia will be a favourite for Pool A. Yeah, you might say that would be a tough quarter final. So yeah. coming better than four, <laughs> and not that it's a given that you qualify, and obviously that's the first aim. But yeah, avoiding Australia possibly could be. I think I'd make on Olympic record alone, you'd say possibly Australian men are would be quite strong. So, yeah, the, that's how the quarterfinals are made, I believe. Top four oh, yeah. crossovers. That's great. That, that makes it even more exciting. Yeah, the crossovers from Pool A to Pool B will be very interesting. Um, yeah, I reckon that's probably it. Next, yeah. Um, in, yeah, August. We're gonna. Are you going to put your hat on? It's hard to ask Tess, isn't it, because she's going to play in it, hopefully, but who's going to win, Mike? <laughs> I think on the men's side, I think you've got to be looking at one of Australia or Belgium. I think Belgium are just like you just watch what they're doing and they're just playing a different game to everyone else at the moment. Um, and on the women's side, again, it's tough to look past Holland as much as I want GB to get a second gold. Um, I think Holland are going to be tough to play, but I also feel that they've shown that they're not invincible. And I think that then makes it really exciting, you know, because you look at what happens pre 2016, everyone's saying the same. Like, it's going to be the Dutch. They're going to smash the um, Euros, smash the Olympics, job done. And GB won both. So actually, I'm looking at this going, I think on the women's game, I think we, we've got a good shot. I think actually the squad's really developing. And I think through the Pro League, have shown that actually we can, you know, we're really hard to play. And I think we're going to start to really, you know, we've got another year. And I think this timeout's a real leveller. Um, so I think yeah. we're in as good a shot as any. Um, but yeah. You saw the Argentina men gold medal coming. It was like, you wouldn't have said, but they've obviously always retained the, the fact that they are good players, but you know, I don't think I don't know too many people that said, yeah, they're, they're going to win 2016. It was the usual protagonist. It was Aussies. It was the, the Dutch men. So it, anything could happen. I like I like Australian men, I think. I think, not that they are easy games, but they I think they come from a slightly easier pool, if I had to say now. Yeah. I think that, that, that the pool games are going to be like knockout games in that pool B. Yeah. I also yeah. think they've got something to prove from the World Cup last mm. year um, yeah. of the way that they they came. Well, they won the bronze, but in an incredible fashion. Yeah, mm. goals everywhere. So I think they want to take on Belgium. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think the other I, thing uh, you men is that they. I think they having. You know, and we're going back a little bit now. I think from 2014, I feel like they probably feel like they've always underachieved since 2014. You know, well, when they won the World Cup, yeah, when, yeah when and they, they yeah. annihilated the World Cup. Yeah, they were. That was like the last, that generation's last dance, wasn't it? That that had been around that for like years. Yeah. yeah, I know there's some of them played on a bit longer, but like the the core of that group, that was they were still at the best. There was still a lot of them there that had been so good for so long. And yeah, that's. But you'd probably say this: the group that kind of followed that generation, that followed that, are coming to the right age to be good now. Yeah, to be really, really good now. And I think the the heat, the heat in Australia is going to give them a massive advantage because Tokyo yeah, will be so hot. So 
I also think that for the Argentinian women will be a big a big bonus for them. Um, mm-hmm. We won't realistically get much like heat training before before Tokyo, so I think that's going to be really key. Is how like able to adapt to that heat and humidity. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's a huge point. And that played a, that played a role in Argentina men winning in Brazil. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I think they also were at a point where the core of their squad had hit were like in their prime, like they had enough experience of World Cups, Olympics, everything else. Payout was an unbelievable form, um, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I think it just landed like the stars aligned for one of a, a cheesier phrase, like it was their time. Um, yeah, so women, I think like they'd had. You know, a lot of that group were together for a lot, you know, a long time. In their peak of their prime, like the group was, you know, united really well. I think it was their time. So I think it's yeah, it's really exciting. I oh, I love the Olympics. I literally just want to shut down everything, laptop, TV, and just watch it all the different sports, but hockey front and center. Just oh, it's my favorite thing. I love the Olympics. Hopefully, it's like we we call this looking forward to 2021. I think sport hopefully will take off in a completely new way and everyone will want to watch the world coming together, I guess. And everyone's had the chance to remember why they love it because they've sort of been one way or another being deprived of the full experience in in some sense, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. Everyone hopes to remember why they love it. And it'll be a massive interest, fingers crossed. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, and on that note, I think we will finish there. Um, guys, I want to say thank you so much for these first three episodes. So excited to get started again in the new year. Um, we'll put all over social media uh, the next one. Obviously, we won't do one next week, being Christmas Day. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely give it a week off. Um, but we will return uh, shortly after. Um, yeah, thank you very much for, to both of you. Um, Absolutely loving this. It's highlight of the week. So thank you very much. Thanks, um, Mike. Yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Tess. Merry Christmas, Mike. That See me. you all in the new year. <laughs> See you in the new year, guys. Bye. Bye bye.